Welcome to Counter Conversations. This is your host, Bella Donato, and joining me today is my very special guest, my 52-year-old mother, Bernice. And we are so glad you could join us at the counter. No, stop for a second. (laughs) Welcome to my world. Allow me to introduce you to my 14-year-old daughter, Isabella. And we're so glad you can join us at the counter today. Counter Conversations was created with the mindset, if my counter could talk, these are the lessons it would share. Whether it was with my teenage children, uh, a group of girls over a bottle of wine, or a more intimate conversation, it's where some of the deepest conversations and life lessons happened. (laughs) Welcome again to Season 1, Episode 3 of Counter Conversations. And I'm excited for Isabella and I to talk about how she was taught to be strong and how she needed to lean into that strength this year, even at her tender age. In addition to the normal challenges every teen is facing, Isabella was given something extraordinary this year. Exactly one year ago today, she suffered a traumatic brain injury while innocently tubing down the front lawn. Hi, Isabella. Hi, Bernice. Catherine Caruso Donato, my mommy, my birth giver of all living Mother Nature. All right, well, that's pretty elaborate, but thank you. Thank you for the welcome. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why we're here today? We're talking about my brain injury. And what does that mean? What happened? I had just finished online school for the day, and I was on FaceTime with two of my best friends. And I was like, oh, I have a great idea. The snow is still here because we had a snowstorm the day before. Um, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to go snow tubing because um, I had the night before and it was fine. Um, and I went out. I went down once and I was completely fine. And then, then, and then the next time I went down, I went back inside. I got some warmer clothes on and then I got in my tube, I grabbed my little dog Gracie, and I, the last thing I remember is my tube going around, and that was it. What's the next thing you remember? Um, the next thing I remember is my dad trying to pick me up, and then me just falling down. And like, I remember I was a thought that went through my head because I was so dizzy and like drowsy. I couldn't see, I couldn't see anything. Everything was so blurry. I just remember, um, thinking to myself like, wow, like I really did it this time. Like <laughs> this yeah. isn't really going to go away. You, you sure did. Um, so <clears throat> what's the next thing you remember? Um, I remember my, dad trying to like snap me out of it and then he kind of like realized it was serious and like I wasn't just going to snap out of it so (laughs) he um called my stepmom Lisa down and she came and she held me for a second while he ran and got the car he pulled the car down they put me in the front seat and then I started to throw up and then my brother came down and then the next thing I remember, the police officers were there, and um, there was just, like, my brother had, like, a towel on the back of my head, 
And then my stepmom, Lisa, like, was, she kept, like, shaking me and trying to get me to, like, not shaking me, I shouldn't say that, but she was kind of just, like, trying to keep me awake because I'd, like, like, try to fall asleep and I was like, I'm so tired. But it was really just, like, me going unconscious and she didn't want that. So I kept on, like, being in and out of consciousness. And then the next thing I remember is the police officers coming because they didn't send me an ambulance. Um, and then my dad speeding to the emergency room. Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty scary day. And so what do you remember from the, um, from the emergency room? Um, I just remember the nurse going ready and then the staples. And then I remember my dad kissing me goodbye. And then... There was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in between there. You don't remember any of that? No. So, um, we, your brother sent me the recording, because you guys recorded it. Well, he wasn't out there. It was my friends that recorded it. Yeah, so he sent us the recording, and I showed it to the doctor, and they said they were going to, I guess they were going to do a CAT scan on your brain anyway. And it was like a scene when you came back from the CAT scan. It was like a scene from like Grey's Anatomy or something like that where this one was like, oh, get an ambulance. And this one, and the doctor was talking to us as you were coming back into the room and they were telling us that you um, fractured your skull, you had a brain bleed, a severe concussion, and that you were going to need some staples in the back of your head. Do you remember how getting the staples in your head? I think I remember her going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Do you remember? And I heard it and I felt it, but it was like kind of like remember like when I got them out. It was like I felt them coming out, but there was no pain. Do you remember what you said to her? Mm-mm. You said, "Wow, that really hurt." <laughs> <laughs> you were so dizzy. Um. So what was it like? What was what like? What was the whole experience, like what were you feeling in those moments? Do you remember having any clear thoughts about that? No. It was all just like I was scared because it was like I didn't really know what had happened because I heard like the neuro team and the peds team and the trauma team just all shouting orders at each other and like saying different like things. I I watched Grey's Anatomy so I know like a lot of it and it was like I heard hematoma and then I started freaking out and then it was like I didn't even know what that was. It was just in Grey's Anatomy, so I got scared. It was just like, I was just very scared because I didn't really know what was happening around me. And It was surreal, right? Yeah. So it was in the height. It's December 18th, 2020, and it's in the height of COVID. How did COVID impact that? Um, only one of my parents was allowed at the hospital with me. So once my mom came to um, the emergency room, my parents had made the decision that my mom was going to come with me. And my dad had kissed me goodbye, and it was kind of hard not having both parents there because it's always been both parents taking care of me. Um, and even after I got out of the hospital, I got out of the hospital on the 24th, so I got out on Christmas Eve. It was tough because my dad had tested positive for COVID, and there was a lot of confusion with the amount of time that um, I couldn't be with him. So I couldn't um, 
hug my dad or my brother or my stepmom, my stepbrother for, what was it, two, three weeks? I think it was in all three weeks after my accident um, because of all the confusion with COVID and that had like a really big impact on it because, I mean, I was allowed to see him. We did like the social distancing thing, but it was never, it's a completely different aspect. Well, that makes perfect sense because you, you know, had this traumatic accident and that's your dad. You're super close to him. And of course, you know, when you, you went to the hospital, he wasn't allowed to see or be with you there. Then you finally come home and you just want to hug him after all that's happened. You've been through a lot. I'm sure dad was super upset about things. So it makes sense that you guys wanted to be, you know, close to each other, but you know, in an effort to keep everybody safe, we, uh, we as your parents had to make some pretty tough decisions. So Little Miss Independence, should we tell everybody how you got that name? Sure. So do you remember when you were a little girl? I don't know if you all remember this, you were, you were really, 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 really young. And I would go to do something for you. And what would you say to me? I do. Mommy, I do. You would yell at me. Mommy, I do. I do. So what was it like when you came home? It was kind of like I wanted to do everything by myself. Um, because I hadn't, like, in the um, hospital, I hadn't been able to take, like, a shower um, for, like, the whole almost week I was in there. And um, when I got home, I didn't shower. I got home on the 24th. I don't think I took like the full shower with the hair until the 27th because I had a birthday party. It was like a drive-by that we went to. Um, and my mom blew out my hair and she would not let me. Um, she's like sat outside in the bathroom or like in the bathroom but outside the shower to make sure that I was okay by myself because she didn't want me to like lose my balance or something. Yeah, I mean, those a, a couple of days in the hospital, I think it's really important to mention that for probably five of the six days you were there, you didn't get out of the bed. Um, and so uh, being on your feet after something like that, you were still a little wobbly, and naturally so, but uh, mommy was very nervous about you um, and balance and things like that, you know. Like I said, we were in uncharted waters, and you being on your feet, I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, whether you were going to have, I don't even think the doctors knew if we were going to have issues with balance, with, you know, there was so much that, you know, in the instruction that they gave us coming home, that this was just a wait and see for the next six months. They weren't going to be able to give us much information um, until you were rescanned. We we wouldn't know things like whether or not the bleed had actually completely stopped. They we wouldn't be able to know things like, you know, whether or not the injury was permanent, whether the restrictions would be permanent. We just had no information coming home. So um all it was really was just to care for you and make sure that you um didn't fall and hurt yourself again. Um so what were the next few months like for you? Talk about some of the, you know, changes that immediately took place in your life. Yeah, so school. That was a really, really big one. So, yes, we were doing online school, but um, it 
Well, definitely a challenge because a week after, actually, I think it was two weeks after I'd gotten home, I was thrown right back into math class. And because that's like a building block and like I didn't want to fall behind in it. But that took a very big toll um, because I'd have to wake up pretty early and waking up was already a challenge itself. Um, And I'd have to sit there staring at a computer and trying to do all this math that just didn't make sense to me. And the whole computer thing wasn't helping either. And it was, it wasn't good. So we talked a little bit about your academic changes um, after the accident. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the activities and what changed there? So um, cheer has always been like a big part of my life. I've been cheering since I'm in first grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had my accident in December and I didn't start cheering until August was when practices started. Um, So it kind of took a big toll on me because as like a child, I was, um, I've always looked up to my high school's cheerleaders and it's always been like a very, very like big dream of mine. I've always wanted to be like a high school cheerleader and my best friend's older sisters have all been through the program and I've had a lot of babysitters that went through it and um, it was kind of just like I was really, really excited Uh, But, like, stunting and tumbling are both very big parts of um, cheer. And those, stunting especially, and that was, like, the main thing I'm strictly not allowed to do. So I got to cheer camp, and um, it was obviously a lot to handle because I had never experienced um, being on obviously cheer team or a high school cheer team um and not being able to do everything a cheerleader normally does so I kind of felt like um I like to phrase it as like half a cheerleader because um yeah I was a cheerleader but most of cheer camp we did stunts and tumbling and I couldn't do any of that and how did that make you feel sad and I also didn't really know what to do because I couldn't really ask anybody because nobody knew. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense, Isabella. I mean, first of all, high school, you're a freshman. It's a brand new experience for you. Then this cheer team that you've been waiting to get on for your like almost your whole life ever since you became a cheerleader. Um, and then now you have this unknown big thing that you have to be super careful which you know children play and being careful is just generally not in the explanation of (laughs) child's play so it makes perfect sense that you went in there with some intrepidation and um, maybe even some pause I want to segue into how you like how do you feel like it changed us I feel like we have definitely become closer um and I don't know how do you think it changed? How do you think it changed us? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we were kind of, when going into the experience, you and I were in a tough spot in terms of like, you know, the turbulent teens, if I can say it that way, where um, we were experiencing a little headbutting, a little bit where you're separating and you're finding your independence and mommy, I do, but only in a bigger voice this time. 
where um, it was like, no, I'm doing it. (laughs) It wasn't like, you know, you were a little girl anymore. So there was like some pulling away and finding your independence, Go, you know, and you are. I mean, so much was different about when you went from elementary school into middle school and then when you transitioned into from middle school into um, high school, you know, there was a part of me because of the accident where I wanted to keep you close and I wanted to put you back in the bubble, like you back in my bubble, you know, (laughs) but you were going into high school and I couldn't do that. I couldn't put you in a bubble because all you wanted to do really was to, um, you wanted to grab the steering wheel of the bubble and take off on your own and you were not even hearing um, any noise about me putting you back in a bubble. So we talked a little bit about, um, I mentioned before, you know, the turbulent teens, you know, what does that mean to you? So, um, I feel like that when teenagers go through that, it's usually like something that the parents can't parent you out of. And I think that it's all about having patience. Like as a parent, you have to have a lot of patience because it's all about maturity. You have to wait until your kid matures and grows up and kind of comes to a reality like it's not um it's like it's not always going to be like this. And it's not personal. I love that you jumped straight in and we're giving some survival techniques to the moms <laughs> who are in the throes of this because it can be very difficult, you know. Um these we call in them turbulent, but you know, um in this time when you're separating and pulling away, there's a lot of conflict, like a lot of angry words said. Um, one of the things that um, you know comes to mind for me is, you know, I I kind of felt like you hated me for a little while. Were there times when you actually hated me? <laughs> no. <laughs> My mother. Something tells me you're not being honest. Maybe you didn't like me a little. Yeah. <laughs> okay no, well thank you for I saying that I don't always like you oh, well you know what you that's said fair. that you said that to me today I I don't I don't like I, you but I, love I love you. you I don't always like you yeah and that's um, normal so you know I think it's one of the things you know the I used to think that this was just me going through this I took it really personal um, I was so afraid that my relationship with you was not going to be rock solid. I would, I would fear things like I was losing control of, you know, this little girl. And I did. I lost control of you're not a little girl. Like you're now you're 14 years old and you're a little miss independence, you know. Um, and I spent a lot of time being terrified that uh, I was losing you. But I think that the experience and hopefully no one else has to go through this, but I think it's part, the experience kind of accelerated us out of it, you know, where, you know, even at the hospital, you know, you couldn't uh, wake up without feeling my hand touching your body because it was such a scary experience for you. Um, can you talk to the mothers listening today? Talk a little bit more. You, you started out with some really great advice about, um, you know, being patient, right? But what happens, talk to the moms in the moments when their feelings are hurt because their daughter said something or that their daughters are pulling away from them. So many moms, you know, we talked about this. There was a a mom in our group, our, our close group 
that reached out to me last week and was just really struggling, what would you say to her? Um, Take it with a grain of salt because most of the time your daughter doesn't mean it, especially when it's things that like crush you because it's coming out of their mouth and it's directly towards you, but they don't mean it. You know, like no matter what, it's like they're your child, you're their mom, and there's nothing that can get in between you two because that's something that you cannot change. So my best advice is take it with a grain of salt. Don't, like, spend a lot of time, like, dwelling on that and try to just, you know, just say, like, if they say something like that, just say, like, okay but like because like the more because if you punish them after that and then like say they say something bad and then you punish them that's going to make them hate you even more or at least pretend to hate you (laughs) so basically what you're telling these moms is just hunker down hold on don't take it personal and wait it out yeah and the storm storm will pass yeah (laughs) that's funny Wait, wait for the storm to pass So um, to my listeners, I hope you have enjoyed listening to this beautiful young lady today. Um, One of the things I probably should have said earlier today uh, or disclosed earlier today was what inspired this conversation. And there was a moment, it was probably day two or day three, I don't remember which one, where Isabella was in the throes of the pain where The medication wasn't working, and it didn't matter what we gave her. Nothing worked. She was sensitive to light. She was sensitive to sound, and she was in a tremendous amount of pain. Um, I was sitting there, and she just started almost chanting, I can't, I can't, I can't. I stood up from the chair or the cardboard box, whatever, whatever the heck that was that they let me sleep in there, And I said to her, honey, what can I do for you? And she said to me, mommy, I know you think I'm strong, but I can't, I can't do this. And I looked down at her and I said, Isabella, your success rate up to this moment is 100%. You have been doing it for 100% of the time. This is just a hard moment and you're doing it. And she said to me, stop being my coach. say that (laughs) but it's it's true she did every single one of those moments and I just want to remind her how strong she is and the silver lining if there is to any of this um is that she learned it at 14 she got this lesson in one full swoop and hopefully it it means that she doesn't have to go through the micro lessons um that a normal child her age will go through One of the things I really love to leave our listeners with is a quote. This author is unknown, but I felt like it was really um, connected to what Isabella and I talked about today. And the quote says, You have been assigned this mountain to show others it can be moved. I would like to conclude by saying to all the moms out there who are struggling through these years as your girls find the balance between their inner strength and tenderness, Remember, she will know how to take care of herself and will likely go out into the world and seek to take care of other people. 
I want to thank my daughter for sharing herself with all of you today. You did great, honey. Thank you. <laughs> this is today's episode, my friends. Bella and I want to thank all of you who pulled up a chair and spent time with us at the counter today. Be sure to check back in with us in the beginning of the new year for more episodes. Remember, be brave, be audacious, be you. If you love today's episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and don't forget to leave a review, letting us know what you loved about the episode or even what you'd like to hear more about. If you're interested in connecting with Bernice through other platforms, you can scroll down to the show notes where you'll be able to find all of her social media links and other information.